Welcome to The Rock Church and World Outreach Center. We pray that this message will strengthen and encourage you. Now, here's a message from Pastor Dan Roth. Amen. Tonight, as you're having a seat, get your Bibles, and you can uh, start with me in Genesis chapter number 11. Right there towards the beginning of your Bible, Genesis chapter number 11. There was a man that walked into a florist just angry beside himself. He had a complaint, and so he walked up to the counter briskly, and he said, to the person standing behind the counter, I have a complaint. And they said, okay, tell me what it is. We'll make sure to take care of you. And he says, my complaint is simply this. My friend was moving their business into a new location this week, and I ordered a floral arrangement from you guys to be sent there. Well, you sent the wrong one, and it said, rest in peace. And and I just can't believe that you would send that to a business who's opening up in a new location. They said, sir, sir, We understand that's terrible. We are so sorry for that, but you know, it could be worse. And he said, what do you mean it could be worse? They said, well, just think about the grieving family who there said, congratulations on your new location. I told my kids the joke on the way here because I was like, I need to test this out on on an audience. And so I tested on my kids. They all went, ooh. And then they laughed. They said, it's funny, dad, but ooh, that's bad. That's bad. Tonight, I want to talk to you about godly grieving, godly grieving. And I don't want to make light of this subject, but I I think it's good for us to kind of take a breath and to relax. Because if I just dropped the title on you and we weren't laughing already, some of you guys might have went, ooh. Because there's been a lot of losses lately, a lot of things going on. You know, as I look over the prayer list, I, I read you a whole bunch of praise reports. But if I dove back into the weeks and even this week, Uh, You know, not just one, not just two, not just three, not just, I mean, like multiple, multiple, multiple people are experiencing and have experienced, especially in this past year, a whole lot of loss. And not just loss of individuals, you know, uh, that, that definitely has been on the rise and there has been an overwhelming number. In fact, in the year 2020, we did double the funerals that we did in the year of 2019. There definitely is something going on. And yet, people have lost other things as well. People have lost what they would consider to be their freedoms, right? I can't go out without this stupid mask. I can't go sit in a restaurant and have a meal. I can't just go and be with my family. I can't hang out with my friends. Uh, Disneyland is closed down, and all the California Disney people are going nuts, right? And so here we are, and we've lost things that we're comfortable with. We've lost things that, that we enjoy. Uh, Some people lost businesses. Some people lost income. Some people lost homes. People have suffered a lot of loss. In this isolation, and as well in the social unrest and the political unrest, people have lost friends. People have had division in their family and have lost close relationships. People have lost the ability to reach out to somebody and to share their heart without sensing a feeling of judgment or criticism or condemnation because they've read someone's post online and they know how they feel about that. And so there's been a whole lot of losses that have gone on, and I believe that people are grieving. I believe that in our land, people are going through mourning. There's, there's an actual kind of like a, a wail. There's a, there's a lament that if you listen long enough, you can hear it from the heart of the people. But I don't believe that we know how to do it God's way. I think it's one of those things that until it happens to you, you're not really seeking it out, not really kind of expressing or going after, well, how do I do this or what do I do with this? How do I unpack these emotions and these things that are coming at me? And it's a whirlwind. I tell you, last year I lost my dad in April. He went to be with the Lord. And there was a loss. There was a, there's a big void 
that took place, and I did not know what to experience. And all of this stuff as a pastor that I've told people over the years, and I've had other people that in my life have uh, have gone to be with the Lord and passed on, and I've gone through those experiences, but it's never been someone that close to me. And everything that I've taught people as a pastor, I had to go through myself. And I had to go on this journey and learn some things personally and intimately with the Holy Spirit. People don't realize that with losses comes new seasons, new experiences. We need to know how to handle this loss and grief and go through it God's way. Otherwise, we're going to find our own way. Hello. And in the process, we may lose our way. Can't tell you how many people that the last time I saw them in church was at the funeral of a close loved one. Many people have allowed loss to stop them and to give up on the path that God had had them on. You guys in Genesis, did you guys turn there? All right, Genesis chapter number 11. Find the last two verses in Genesis chapter number 11. Amazing thing about the Bible is it gives us the story of humanity, and it gives us this progressive story. And right here in Genesis chapter number 11, there's a new story being introduced And it's the story of this man by the name of Abraham, who was the father of faith, the Bible tells us. He was a very important man for all of us because God made a covenant, an agreement with him. And we now, by faith, are a part of that covenant agreement. There are blessings that come to us as Christians because of this man, Abraham. But I believe that Abraham was the one who picked up a call that belonged to his father. I'm going to show this to you, why I believe this in the scripture, in Genesis chapter number 11, because it introduces us in Genesis chapter 11 to the man by the name of Terah. Terah was Abraham's father. He had three sons. Now, we all know Abraham, right? Some of us might know Nahor because that was Abraham's uncle, right? Or, I'm sorry, his brother. And then through that lineage came uh, some of the, the, the marriage relationships, that sort of a thing. And, and you hear his name uh, throughout the book of Genesis. But the other one that we probably don't really know that well is Haran. And the Bible tells us that Haran, Terah's son, Abraham's brother, died before his father in Ur of the Chaldeans. Now, any parent who has suffered the loss of a child knows the pain that they go through, knows the suffering, knows the questions, knows all the things that take place, the despair. Many parents have told me that no parent should lose a child. No parent should outlive their child because of the pain that they went through during that time. Okay, so know that when we read these verses and when I bring out the truth and the the things that I'm thinking about Terah, know that I'm not putting him down, belittling him. I understand, I, I, I realize why people make the choices that they make in the midst of pain. But look at what it says in Genesis chapter 11, verse 31 and verse 32. I'm gonna read it to you in the New Living Translation. You can read along in whatever translation you have. It says, one day, Terah took his son Abram, his daughter-in-law Sarai, his son Abram's wife, and his grandson Lot, his son Haran's child. And he moved away from Ur of the Chaldeans. He was headed for the land of Canaan. Everybody make a note of that. He was headed for the land of Canaan. But they stopped at Haran. What was the name of his son that died? Come on, shout it at me. What was the name of his son son that died? Haran. They stopped at a town by the name of his dead son. They stopped there and settled there. Verse 32, Terah lived for 205 years and died while still in Haran. He was headed to Canaan, but he got stopped at Haran. 
The very next verse, Genesis chapter 12, verse number one says, Now the Lord had said to Abraham, get away from your father's house, get out of your country, and go to a land that I will show you. What is the land that God was going to show Abraham? Any Bible readers in the building know the name of the land that he was going to show Abraham? The land of Canaan. Where was his father, Terah, headed? Canaan. But he got hung up, I believe, on his dead son. Again, I'm not belittling him. I'm not putting him down. But I believe that God doesn't want us to be stuck in a place of pain and loss. I believe that God doesn't want us to get stuck on the loss of a job, stuck on the loss of a position, stuck on the loss of an ability with age, right? Or, or maybe with a, a disability or something that takes place physically. Stuck on the loss of a season we enjoyed, like having kids in the house or maybe having success or having a title and a position or something like that. Sometimes we get stuck on those things and our disappointments, when we don't grieve, when we don't mourn, when we don't go through the process the right way, we can get stuck on those things and not move forward to the land that God wants to show us. See, I believe that even though there may be pain and loss along the way, we can move forward with God's help. Can anybody say amen to that? So there's some things that we need for godly grieving, okay? Tonight, teaching, all right? We love to preach, love to shout, love to wave the hanky, but tonight, just some good Bible teaching, amen. First thing for godly grieving is this, is time and space. Time and space. Don't think that you're gonna just get over it in a matter of minutes. And, and especially for, for us gentlemen, right? I, I know you've got everything together. I know you're macho man. You know, I know that you've, you've got everything. You're strong, all that kind of stuff. But give it some time and give it some space. Give it some time and give it some space. You're not going to get over it in a day. You're not going to get over it by powering through it. You're not going to get over it by bulldozing the people around you. Uh, think about this for a second, okay? In the Bible, the Bible gives us an example of people that died. How about some notable people in the, in the Bible when they died? How long did it take them to, to go through their mourning process? Well, when Moses died, they mourned for a month. Full 30 days, the whole nation. Well, that was the, the leader of the nation. Okay, okay, I got you, I got you. How about Jacob, right? This is Abraham's grandson, Jacob. The one who was named Israel, the one who had the 12 tribes of Israel, right, that they're now named after, okay? When Jacob died, it said that 40 days were required to mourn for his death because he was embalmed, all right? So they required 40 days, but the Egyptians and the people mourned for him for 70 days. Can you imagine two months? Two months of just mourning. Two months of just waking up, and I'm going to go outside I'm going to have some time. I'm going to have some space. I'm going to go cry. I'm going to weep. I'm going to wail. I'm going to lament. I'm going to mourn 70 days. Now, Jacob left specific instructions about his body, and he told his son Joseph, who was in charge of Egypt at the time, he says, I want you to take my body to Canaan. Don't bury it here in Egypt. I need to be buried in the cave that Abraham bought in the land because this is the promised land, and there's a promise here, and there's something that I need to have happen after I die. And he, and he made him swear. And so Joseph swore to his father, and so they carried the body of him, his brothers, and some very notable Egyptian dignitaries went up. When they got close to the place that they were going to bury him, they sat down and weeped and wailed for another week before they buried the body. A week. Just give me a couple of days, I'll get over it, Pastor. No, you need some time, and you need some space. You're going to have to go through a whole lot of firsts. 
Just think about the span of a year, 365 days. There's going, there's going to be things that you will experience in the span of a year that you need to encounter. The first birthday that you're missing. The first Christmas that you're missing. The first Thanksgiving where they're not at the table. The first Easter, right? The first summer, the first winter, the first favorite day, the first favorite season, the first favorite holiday, right? The first time the McRib comes back and they just love that. I mean, just whatever it is, all right? You're going to have to go through a whole lot of first. The first time you go to that place where that was your place, that was your spot, that was your thing. First time you hear their favorite song on the radio. First time you see their favorite show on Netflix or wherever you're streaming from these days, right? Because there's a bajillion options. But there's going to be a whole lot of things, a whole lot of things that when you encounter them and you experience them and you remember, oh, they would have loved this. It can be a lot of firsts. A lot of firsts is not being in that position anymore on the job. First as a retired individual, first as an empty nester, first as somebody who has transitioned to, into a new position or a new place or whatever it is that you have lost in that new season, there's going to be a whole lot of first. Give yourself some time and give yourself some space. You know, when John the Baptist was beheaded by uh, King Herod and the disciples went and grabbed the body, they buried the body, and it says that they went and then he told Jesus about it. Now, listen to this. In Matthew chapter 14, verse 13, I'm just going to read you the first part of the verse, okay? Because many times we read verse 13 and we read the whole verse and we skip the first part of the verse. But I want to point out something tonight, so I'm just going to put the first part of the verse, the first sentence up. Matthew chapter 14, verse 13 just the little first part, A, all right? When Jesus heard it, when he heard about the death of John the Baptist, he departed from there by boat to a deserted place by himself. I'm sorry, the king of glory, God in the flesh, when he heard news about his cousin, according to the flesh, being beheaded, that's gruesome. And this is his cousin. This is his family. That he died. Now, Jesus had a lot to say about John the Baptist. No one's greater in the kingdom of heaven than John the Baptist, right? It, yet the least in the kingdom is greater than he. There was no greater prophet than John, right? What'd you go out there to see, right? He had all sorts of great things to say about this man who was Elijah, the one to come who would prepare the way of the Lord. But when he heard about his death, even though he knew that this man was in heaven, entering into his reward, right? What does he do? He goes away by himself to give himself some time and to give himself some space. Now, he didn't get it. If you read on, the crowds followed him. But the principle is still, still there. One time I was talking to a lady. She's going through a new season, and uh, she had the loss of her health. She had a cancer diagnosis. And so she was going through uh, her treatments, that sort of a thing. And um, we, we were in communication with her and contact with her, and so we were talking to her. And one day we asked her, hey, how you doing? You know, how can we pray for you? What's going on? That sort of thing, just checking in with her. She says, you know what's so funny? Like, I love you guys, but don't come. We're like, okay, you know, we'll, we'll give you space. It's fine. She's like, yeah, it's, it, it's good. She goes, I just found out, like, I had to stop having visitors at the hospital. And we said, really, why is that? She says, because they would come and they would cry all over me, and I ended up comforting them rather than them comforting me. She goes, I need some space. Like, get away. Let me just deal with this. I don't need to be comforting you. I need to fight the good fight of faith here. I don't need some weepy people coming over here and crying all over me. So she said, I'm not letting anybody come. I love you, pastors. You're the best. You're the, you're the most loved, most wonderful, but stay home. 
I'm just going to deal with this. I need some time, and I need some space. And we respected that. Now, praise God, she's healed and healthy and well today. But you know what? You might be going through a time that you maybe need to express some things. Gentlemen especially, you need to open your mouth and use your words, right? Hey, I need some time right now. Can I just have a little space? I'm processing things. I'm not going to do everything right. I may seem angry. You might have to apologize for being snappy. Uh, But you know what? It's worth giving yourself and giving the people around you that understanding that this is a process. It's going to take time and it's going to take some space. Second thing is this, godly grieving. Time and space is number one. Second thing is this, emotions and their expressions. Emotions and their expressions. Now, we, we kind of dabbled a little bit in that. There may be some anger, right? And maybe you've seen those circle of, of any time there's a process, a new thing going on, right? There's the, the disbelief, and then there's the anger, and then finally there's the acceptance phase, and then there's kind of the, the moving forward, all that kind of stuff. Some of you guys seen that, that wheel of process and change and that sort of a thing. When you encounter a loss, you are thrown into that process, whether you like it or not. And there's going to be that disbelief. Wait, I'm sorry, it's gone? Wait a second. No, hold on. They died? Hey, whoa, 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 wait a second. I just, I, I, I'm sorry, I, I, I didn't understand the report of what? what? What's going on in my health? And there might be something that at first you just don't believe, right? And you cover it up and you slap a coat of paint on it that a lot of times people call faith, which really, you know, if you take some time and talk to God about it and get his word, that's where faith begins is at God's word. But you got to know what you're up against. you got to know the season that you're in and the time that you're in. And so a lot of times that disbelief kind of puts us in that little holding pattern for a little while. And then there's the anger. Well, if I would have been there, if I could have done this, if this would have happened, if only, right? There's always the if only. Or, man, you know, you, you retire and then you see people and, hey, how's it going at work, right? And, oh, man, it's so bad. I wish you were there. And then you start getting, well, if I was there, I'd do this, right? And now all of a sudden you're mad about it. What's going on? What's happening? What's, what's taking place? Then the sadness comes in, right? The emotional sadness. And then you're grieving, you're mourning, you're crying. There's times that you, you, you're, you're making jokes in order to cover things up. And, and you go the opposite direction, right? But I believe that God gave us our emotions. And I believe that God gave us them for a reason. You know God's an emotional God, right? You can see that in the Bible. In fact, uh, John chapter 11, turn there with me. Phenomenal section of Scripture. One of the the most impacting and powerful sections of Scripture, especially dealing with the resurrection, as well one of the most hopeful sections of Scripture. But in John chapter 11, I want to read verse 33 through verse 36, okay? Jesus has been told that one of the people that he loves, one of his friends, is sick. He hangs and he waits. There's a purpose And his friend dies. The friend's name is Lazarus. And it says in John chapter number 11, and I'm going to read verse number 33 down through verse 36. 33 starting out says this. It says, therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping, speaking of Lazarus' sister, Mary, when he saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. So he's looking around at the situation, right? He sees these people crying. They're weeping. It's sad. Martha's already confronted him. If you'd have been here, my brother would still be alive. Now here comes Mary crying, right? Jesus is looking around. He sees the Jews crying. Everybody's weeping. It's sad. It's a sad moment. And what does Jesus do? He goes, hmm. The Bible says he groaned. 
and he was troubled. I believe that Jesus was all God and Jesus was all man. And many times men don't have a lot of words. We just got to, mmm. And we're troubled. And we don't know what to do with that anger. We don't know what to do with that trouble. The Bible said be angry but do not sin. Jesus knew what to do with it. Look at what it says. Verse 34. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Verse 35 is the shortest verse in the entire Bible with just two words. Every single one of you ought to memorize it. Jesus wept. Let that sink in for a second. This is God in the flesh. This is the one who reveals to us the Father. In your Christology, in your theology of God, you need to have an understanding of God's emotions because you are made in the image of God. And the fact that Jesus wept means that he was so committed to the human experience that he allowed himself to have emotional responses to things that were going on around him. The Bible says he felt our infirmities. I'm just, I'm going to let this marinate for a second because you got to get a hold of this. This is your Jesus. This is your king on the cross. This is the one who saw you on the cross. This is the one who your sin was placed on him. This is the one who your sickness went upon. He felt our infirmities. He felt our sickness. He felt the disease. He felt our sin. God feels. Many times we think of God as an impersonal force because he's perfect. And it's almost like because he's perfect, he has to be a robot with no feeling, no emotion. No, throughout the Bible, you can find God smiling. You can find God rejoicing. You can find God laughing. You can find God dancing. You can find God holding people in derision and mocking them. The Bible says he laughs at the nations that rage against him. Like, you little punk, you think you're going to come against me? God actually does that in the Bible. Read Psalm 2. He holds them in derision. The Bible says that he esteems people. He honors people. Now, he's no respecter of persons, but he says those who esteem me will be esteemed by me, and those who lightly esteem me will be despised by me. God despises people? Hmm. And God also gets angry. You can find that in the Bible. You don't want to be with God when he's angry. Hello, come on, somebody. But there are emotions and expressions that we will have. Why? Because we're made in God's image. We're made in the image of God, and God wants us to know how to use our emotions too. Do you know that there are physical benefits to crying? If you look it up in a medical journal, I don't want to go there with you tonight. I'm teaching the Word of God. I'm not teaching medical science. But there literally are chemicals and things released through your tear ducts, chemical reactions that take place that help you in your healing process through crying. Maybe, just maybe, that's why they spent 30 days crying for Moses. Maybe that's why they would actually hire people to come and to weep and to wail when someone died was because they knew if I get around this, if I can get this around me, if, I, if I'm in shock and disbelief and somebody's crying, there's somebody has some emotion, maybe I've got no emotion right now, but if I, can, if I can get some of this out, it'll be healthy for me. Some of you guys need the time and the space. Why? So that you can 
process those emotions so that you can get angry and not express it on your spouse, not express it on your children or your coworkers. Where do I express this anger? I mean, what if I end up shouting at God? Can I tell you something? God is big enough to handle your anger. And he already knows what's going on in your heart. So you might as well just say, God, this may not come out all right. I might point the finger at you, God. But you know what, God? You're still God after I point my finger. God, you're still God after I express this in the ugliest way that I possibly can because that's how I feel. And guess what? God will listen. And when you're done, he'll still be there and be your God and still love you through it. Now, again, that doesn't mean get into sin. You don't need to curse at God or anything like that, right? But just expressing that anger, God, I'm angry. God, I, I hate this. God, I can't stand this. God, I don't want, know what you're doing. Why, God? God can handle why questions. He may not answer it, but he can handle it because he's still God no matter what. And there are some questions that we won't know probably this side of heaven. But it may be if you just get the emotion out, if you want to just go cry, I mean, men have such a hard time crying. I keep picking on the men tonight because we, we don't deal with this stuff oftentimes, right? But my goodness, if you could just get out there and cry, you know, and just allow it to come out, it will help you. Remember, uh, when, my, when my dad passed, I took some time. I took some space. And I went up on the side of a hill that was overlooking the city. And I sat there for like an hour and just cried. Just let it all out as much as I could. I mean, I was like trying, I was like pushing tears out. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> just trying to get it out because, you know, like, like I want to be done with this, you know, because I'm a man. Let's get it done. Let's get it over with. So, <laughs> and let's get it out. And then, then I'll be good, right? But I remember my wife kept telling me, honey, you okay? You know, and there'd be times she'd check in and things like that. I'd be like, I'm cool. I'm good, you know. But, but uh, I think what Pastor Joel told me one time, he goes, you never know when it's going to happen. You never know when it's going to come at you, you know. And so his words was like a self-fulfilling prophecy in my life because I was, I was in a takeout restaurant up in Big Bear. We took the family up to the mountains. We we're just hanging out, having a good time. And so we're up there in the mountains in Big Bear in the, in the downtown area. There's a new restaurant that was opening up, and so we decided to try it out. And they had some outdoor seating and stuff like that. And so I'm there waiting for the food while the family went to get a table and clean it up and get it all ready. I'm standing in there. I've got sunglasses on. I've got the mask over the face because it's COVID. I've got a hat on, right? And uh, I'm watching. They had like ESPN uh, sports stuff on the, on the television. And, but, but blazing over the, the radio was like classic rock hits, okay? Now, my dad raised me on classic rock, okay? And he would sit down with his guitar in front of it. You remember the speakers that were this tall, okay? Anybody still have the speakers that are that tall? Hello, come on. But he had those speakers that were that tall, and he would sit on his knees in front of that with his guitar and just rock out like he was the who in front of like 60,000 people with the amps turned up to 11. You know what I'm saying? He would just get going and jamming, okay? So I'm, I'm, I'm just sitting there watching the ESPN, looking at the sports stats and all that kind of stuff and, and waiting for the food, and this song comes on from Boston. Anybody know Boston? Classic rock. Oh, thank you. Thank you. All right. You're all aging yourselves by raising your hands right now. But, oh, man, it came on, and I remember that was one of my dad's favorite songs to rock out on. And I'm sitting there jamming along, foot's going, and all of a sudden it hits me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like just 
heaving sobs, and I'm sitting there wiping the tears off my cheeks, you know, like under, like, the, thankfully I had a mask and sunglasses and a hat on, because I'm just over here losing it while people are ordering their lobster bisque and their, you know, like, I'm just going, I, thank God I'm staring at this screen right now with my, my face. I, if they call my name, I don't know what I'm going to do, you know what I mean? Thankfully, they took a long time preparing the food, so I had time to compose myself before I went and got the food and went outside, but I went over to my wife, and I said, honey, I just lost it in there. I, I, just, I just wept and cried over a stupid Boston song. I know it's not stupid. It's a great song, but you know what I mean? Like, I didn't know. But see, that's something that we all have to do is we all have to process the emotions and the, the emotional responses that we have to things and give ourselves that space to be able to have those emotions and to have that room. Last thing tonight is this. Anybody getting anything so far? Everybody okay with this? I mean, some of you guys may not be grieving. Some of you may not have had any losses. Everything's cool with you guys right now, but someday... You're going to need this, all right? And this is like a library for your soul that you can go and, where was that chapter that God put in my heart? I need to get a hold of this. Last thing is this, is remember and honor. Remember and honor. You know, with a loss, sometimes there is that attitude that may come from outside. Maybe it comes from inside. You just need to get over this and never talk about it again. Because it's too painful, too hard. Or... If you're talking about it all the time, you're going to bug everyone. Or, you know, if you talk about it, then you haven't really dealt with it, you know. And those are lies. Because it's a very real part of your life. You know, if you lost that position at work, you had that position at one time. And you valued it. And you liked it. Now, there definitely is an unhealthy obsession with things that we desire or things that we had that we don't have anymore. That we, you know, I, I get that. That's, that's the other end of the spectrum is where you talk about it all the time. That's the only thing that you talk about. You're like, you know, if you will, like Tara, right? He goes to the place that bears the name of his son. He stops there and he never goes any further, okay? But moving down the path doesn't mean that you never talk about it again. That's like the other ditch on the other side of the road. Oh, that person's gone. We must never speak of them again. No. Talk about them. Talk about the good things. Remember the good things. Enjoy them. Laugh. Celebrate. And honor. Wait, pastor, hold on a second because, you know, in my life, the person that I lost wasn't a good person. Well, hey, we still need to remember. You know, I was praying the other day and I was praying about my life and I was just asking God to, you know, continue the process and to to bless me, help me to grow and that sort of a thing. And I was, God, let me learn from Peter, and let me learn from the life of Paul. Let me learn from the life of your son, Jesus. And I found myself praying this prayer, and God, let me learn from the example of David. Even, even the bad things David did. You know, David had a rap sheet, murder, adultery, disobedience. He numbered the children of Israel. Satan put that in his heart to do that. He was listening to Satan. Oh, my gosh, David. I said, Lord, let me learn from his victories and his mistakes. And, and Lord... Let me learn from his predecessor, Saul, who started really well but ended really bad, who disobeyed. God, let me learn from Esau, who, who despised his birthright. Let me learn from that guy. Let me learn from the good as well as the evil. Let me take it to heart, God. Let me understand what this is all about. See, any loss in your life, you can remember And you can honor, whether you're honoring the individual, whether you're honoring the memory, the good that was going on, or whether you're honoring God through the lessons that you're learning and the things that you're going through. The Bible is full of exhortations to remember and to give honor. We're to honor our father and our mother. We're to remember those who have taught us the word of God and to follow their godly examples. 
And these verses are definitely for those living, but also, I believe, should be applied to those who have died or those who we have lost in our lives. Maybe it was a friend, you know what I mean, and there was a falling out and that sort of a thing, and you're saying, man, I'm grieving the loss of my friend. Well, hey, remember how many good times you had with that friend. And honor that person. Continue to pray for them. Continue to love them. You don't have to stop any of those things, even though there may be distance and there may be time and space. And you never know, God might bring you back together in the end. See, if you're in a grieving season or something else that you've lost, like a position or something like that applies, remember and honor. Part of honor is honoring God and thanking Him for it. Last verses we're going to deal with tonight, Ecclesiastes chapter number 7. Turn there with me in the Old Testament now. Let's get the wisdom of Solomon in Ecclesiastes chapter number 7. The Bible tells us that in life Solomon excelled everyone before him in wisdom. He asked God for wisdom and God poured it out on him. And if you read the book of Ecclesiastes, really it's talking about wisdom in the world with and without God. And he's expressing that he allowed himself with wisdom to indulge in everything. Sexual pleasures, wealth, fame, education, entertainment, enjoyment, all those things. He excelled in all those things. And we know that Solomon had a bunch of wives, right? And they eventually turned his heart away from the Lord, so I don't know how wise that was. And yet, you can find in his writings wisdom that we can learn from. Because he brings it back to God. Let's take a look at it in Ecclesiastes chapter number 7. Verse number one through verse number four, oftentimes we'll use this at funeral services, but I think it applies to us tonight. Look at what it says in Ecclesiastes 7, verse one through four. A good name is better than precious ointment. Maybe that good name was boss. Maybe that good name was friend. Maybe that good name was son, and you lost that. Look at this. And the day of death, then the day of one's birth. Sometimes God's wisdom doesn't really line up with our thinking, does it? Hold on, God. The day of somebody's death is better than the day of somebody's birth? Why? Verse 2. Better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting. For that is the end of all men. Look at this. And the living will take it to heart. They will remember and they will honor. Verse 3. Sorrow is better than laughter. Whoa, God, hold on a second. Sorrow is better than laughter? No, it's not. No one likes to be sad. No one wants to cry. No one wants to be grieving. No one wants to go through pain. How can you say that sorrow is better than laughter? For by a sad countenance, the heart is made. What's that word there? Come on, help me preach this sermon tonight. What is that that word there? Better. The heart is made better. Anybody want to be better than they were yesterday? Anybody want to be better in your future? Then guess what? When you go through a loss... And when you're sad and when you cry and when you have the emotions and when you give yourself time and space and when you remember and honor, you will come out on the other side better than you started out. Wow, that's a promise from God. Verse 4, the heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the heart of fools is in the house of mirth or celebration. Drop down to verse number 8 through verse number 10. The end of the thing is better than its beginning. The patient in spirit is better. What's that word again? Oh, come on. Did I lose you guys already? Join, join me in with this. Okay, what's that word right there? Better. Patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. If you think you can do this all by yourself, I've got this, I'm over it, I'm this, I'm that, mm-mm. No. The person who humbles themselves and is patient in spirit and just says, let me, let me just take some time. Let me go through this process. 
They're better than the proud in spirit. Verse number nine, do not hasten in your spirit to be angry. For anger rests in the bosom of fools. Remember, be angry, but do not sin. Know what to do with your emotions. Verse number 10, do not say, why were the former days better than these? Notice, you got to go through the grieving process. Oh, it was better back then. It was better when I had the position. It was better when I had the title. Better when I had the people in my life. Better when I had this. Better than I had that. Oh, for the good old days. I wish we could just go back and have it like it was. No. It says, do not say, where were the, why were the former days better than these? For you do not inquire wisely concerning this. Let me wrap it up with Ecclesiastes 7, verse number 14. I'm going to read it to you in the New Living Translation. Enjoy prosperity while you can. But when hard times strike, realize that both come from God. You know, the same God that sends rain on the just and the unjust is the same God who in the Bible calls for famine. The same God who produces the fruit of the vine is the same God who withered the vine. The same God who gives I believe the same God also can take away. And like Job, we should say the Lord gives and the Lord takes it away. But blessed be the name of the Lord. The last sentence in Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse number 14 in the New Living Translation says, Remember that nothing is certain in this life. Remember, this was before the cross. There is one thing that's certain in this life, and that is our King Jesus. It's the Word of God. It's the only certainty that we have in this life. Times will change. People will come. People will go. People will be born. People will die. Some will be here for a long time. Some will die before their time. There will be people that are raised up and people that are gone. You know, the Bible says the crown does not endure to all generations. There's going to be Republican presidencies. There's going to be Democratic presidencies. There may not be presidencies in the future. Who knows? God knows. He's the only certainty that we have in this life. You have something in your life right now that you value, that you enjoy. Hey, enjoy it while you have it and give God praise for it. But if you should go through a loss, know how to handle it. Because no matter how much good or how much evil we receive on this earth, there's going to come a day that we get to go before the Father. And that whatever we lost or had in this life, None of that's going to go into account. What's going to go into account is how did you live? We will give an account for whatever we did, whether evil or good, and we will go into eternity receiving the rewards. Some will suffer losses. Some will have their deeds shining like gold, silver, and precious gems. We all need to understand that what happens to us in this life will affect us. You will go through grief. How do we go through it godly? Three things that we learn. Number one is time and space. Give yourself some time. Give yourself some space, all right? Second thing is emotions and their responses, their reactions. How, how do I take this emotion and how do I handle it? And then finally, remembering and honoring. When you talk about it, hey, remember the good things. Also, remember the bad. It's okay to talk about those things too and, and learn from those things, but also bring honor where honor is due. More than anything else, guys, I want you to hear this. I want to wrap this message up today with this one word, and that is the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. If you have loss in your life, there is still hope in Jesus Christ because Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Jesus is our hope no matter what. 
And if you're in the season of loss and you're in the season of grieving right now, know that Jesus is your comfort and he is your hope. Can we pray together tonight? Can we just conclude with a, a, a prayer and, and, and some time to allow the Holy Spirit to move and do some things that I believe that he wants to do tonight? Father, we're so grateful for your word, Lord. We thank you, God, for the ministry of your Holy Spirit teaching us something that maybe we've never been taught. Maybe we never thought about it. Maybe we weren't going to think about it. Maybe we we're going to avoid it. But we know, God, that there are seasons and that there are times that we all encounter. And some of those seasons may be loss, maybe transition, maybe change. We thank you, God, for your wisdom to move down the path that you lay out before our feet as we've seen it in your word tonight. God, we're so grateful that you gave us Jesus to show us to show us your heart, to show us humanity and how to live. Thank you, God. And tonight, Lord, I pray for this congregation. Specifically, God, I want to lift up to you those that are grieving, those that are mourning, those that have suffered a loss. If that's you in this place tonight, that's you online right now, wherever you're watching from, maybe you just want to lift a hand up to the Lord. Father, you see these hands raised to you. God, would you minister to them right now your presence your comfort your grace God you say in your word that you are near the brokenhearted, that you heal the brokenhearted. you bind up their wounds that you collect every tear in a vial and you write them in your book. Oh, Lord, minister your presence to them right now. And God, into their future, I pray, Lord, that they would hear your spirit leading them. That they will follow you when you say, give it time. Give it space. That they will not run away from their emotion, but know how to recognize and experience emotion like you did, Lord Jesus. And allow it to move them forward in this process. And as well, God, to remember and to honor. Thank you that the living take it to heart. And they're better for it. I'm going to just give you a 
60 second pause right now just to let the Holy Spirit minister to your heart. Thank you for listening to the Rock Church and World Outreach Center. If this message spoke to you, please share it with us. We'd love to hear from you. You can find more information at www.rockchurch.com.